0: So our series is called Meet Jesus, and it's all about finding out who Jesus is. You might say, I know who Jesus is. I've gone to church my entire existence. But it's not about necessarily knowing who he is, like Jesus was a carpenter, he was the son of God, even that sort of stuff. It's about meeting him in a new and fresh way every week, and that's what we want to do. We want today to look at God's word that he wrote and find out what's something we can learn about Jesus. So today, I want to talk about something that I think is really important to Jesus, And the thing I want to talk about is, to start off just throwing out the main point, is it's not about your outside, it's about what's on the inside. So, let's go through the chapter, Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem, verse 2, now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the traditions of the elders. Verse 4. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches, I guess? That's kind of a weird one, like, Don't eat that burger! We haven't washed the couch yet! You've got to always wash your couches Every day before you eat, I don't know. They, they were really into washing things. The Pharisees kind of drive me crazy because they were very much into being clean. Now, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's it's not bad to want to be really, really clean. But these guys, I mean... They were religious people. They they were the ones who were very churchy. They were very concerned about what they looked like on the outside. They were very concerned about their appearance. You know what I mean? Like they'd walk in a room and they'd be like, I hope people think I'm okay. I hope people notice how holy I am. I hope people notice that I'm like the holiest guy in this room because I am. I don't know if you know anybody like that who kind of feels like they need everyone to see that they're the best and they're the brightest. But that's what these guys were all about. They were all wrapped up on the outside appearance, and they really were wrapped up in being clean. Now, is anybody here really into cleanliness? Like, is that your thing? Anybody? It's not, a, I'm not like, I'm not going to like use you as an illustration of a bad person. It's okay to want to be clean. Does anyone here, I like being clean. If I had the choice of not being clean, if I had the choice of being dirty and being clean, I would pick being clean. So, it's showing a surprising lack of hand raising here, uh, which makes me feel like they were... This is a pig pen situation we got going on here. Um, Listen, I mean, I'm just, I'm not really a germ guy. I don't know if you're like a germ, I don't know if you're like a germ guy or a germ girl. Like, I don't know if any of you guys get really excited about germs and and just like eating things that have germs on them. If that's you, please stay away from me (laughs) uh, and don't cough on me. Um, I'm not a germ guy, but I think some people might take it a little bit too far. I mean. Uh, do you guys know people who are like really into like the hand sanitizer? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Who yeah. is it mom? Is, is it mom who's into the hand? Who is it? Fifth grade Your fifth grade teacher. Okay. Anybody else know somebody who's really into the hand sanitizer? Yeah. You're into the hand sanitizer. Oh, no. Miss Stevens. Ms. St- so teachers. Uh, moms, teachers. You know, uh, my wife, she loves the hand sanitizer. Like, she cannot get enough of the hand sanitizer. Like, sometimes... I'm afraid she's going to, like, just drink it. No, I'm just kidding. She wouldn't do that. That would be weird. She drank hand sanitizer? That's gross. But listen, my wife always has a ton of hand sanitizer with her because she always wants our hands to be sanitized, was the word I was going for. Um, See, at home, everything's great, you know? Like, it's just, if you're going to eat something, wash your hands. Of course, yeah, we do it. But if we're out in public, I mean, if I've touched anything, like shopping cart, steering wheel, bench. If I've got, like, a piece of food and I'm, like, going towards it, she'll be like, no! She'll dive in front of it. She'll be, like, squirting hand sanitizer at me because she wants me to be sanitized so much. Now, listen, I I get it. She's trying to do something nice for me. You know, she's like, I don't want you to pick up some evil germs on your hands. But here's the thing that I think about. I mean, babies, right? Have you seen a baby? Have you ever seen a... Have you seen what they eat? They'll just like, for one, they've got like this trail of slobber that like goes down so far. It like comes up their back and starts around again at the top of their head. Like they just always have this trail of drool that they're leaving everywhere. Uh, Babies will like, they'll like find weird stuff on the floor. Like they'll find like an old booger. And they'll just eat it, because they're a baby. They're like, oh, tasty. Mm, this looks amazing. Babies are all about it. They eat weird stuff. I saw a baby once at the grocery store. And it was, all, you know the shopping cart? You know that thing where like everyone sticks their dirty, filthy hands and pushing it? The baby, like, was, it was teething on it. It had his mouth. And I was like, ah. I'm like, it, my friend posted this Instagram picture, and his baby was, like, teething on it, and, like, the stream of drool. And the babies just had this wide-eyed look of, like, my life is awesome right now. Like, it was just, it was a creepy situation. Here's what I'm thinking. Babies have survived for thousands of years without hand sanitizer. If our weakest citizens can survive without it and do the things they do, I think I'm going to be Okay. I try to tell Brooke on this, but no, hand sanitizer. So I I do it because she wants me to. But it's not really the concept of hand sanitizer. It's the taste. You know, it's like, because it's like, I wouldn't mind so much, but you put it on you, and it's like this gooey, just nasty, like, soap is really easy to, like, wash off. But hand sanitizer, like, it's just this nasty coating. And whenever you put it on, you're not really ever where, like, water is. You're, like, in the car driving, and it's like, we're about to eat a cheeseburger. Here, put this on your hands. And you're just like, my hand's feel clean, but my burger now tastes like soggy erasers. That's, I didn't know like a good way to describe it. so I Googled, what does hand sanitizer make things taste? And some guy was like, soggy erasers. So I was like, okay, I'll use that. Anyway, you might like to be clean. It's good to be clean. It really is. You know, if you're not clean... Man, I had this one friend who was like, I just had this, I had bad vibes about him. I had a feeling he was not clean, because he was like the no-flush kid. He'd go to, I'm just being real, he'd go to my house, he'd do his business, I'd go into the bathroom, and it would just be there, and I'd be like, you're in eighth grade, what is your problem, Matt? Like, uh, (laughs) flush your stuff, man, it was just weird, it was like. If you can't go on your whole life doing that. You, you, the only way you can get away with being the no-flesh kid your whole life is if you become a billionaire, and then people will be like, oh, it's okay, he's eccentric. But anyway, my life, my wife, she is my life. She likes to be clean. That's awesome. Maybe you like to be clean. That's awesome. I mean, the level my wife likes to be clean is just a normal, good level. I'm thankful to have her in my life. She teaches me a lot about that kind of stuff, and I'm just thankful. I, I think things through more about germs and stuff, and I try not to get sick, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, but the Pharisees, I mean, these guys took it to like just a, a, an unreasonable level to the point where it was ridiculous. It was like the kind of kid who like took 20 baths a day. You know, like that kid... Like, he he walks up, and you're like, hey, what's up, high five, and he's like, oh, oh, germs, and he, like, runs and, like, takes a bath, and he comes back, and he's like, oh, I just had a bath, and you're like, that's weird, who still takes baths, that's bizarre, take a shower, what's wrong with you, Uh, you know, and then he, like, touches a dirt clod, he's like, oh, my toe got dirt, oh, bath time, Uh, that's how extreme these guys were, they were just really, really into baths, it was a pretty big deal for the Pharisees, Uh, look at verse 3, it says, for the Pharisees, And all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding to the traditions of the elders. Now, I wonder what that special way was. So I looked up different Bible translations. I found this. This is the uh, Living Translation. It says, The Jews, especially the Pharisees, will never eat until they have sprinkled their arms to the elbows, as required by their ancient traditions. That's weird. Sprinkling the arms to the elbows? Like, I'm going to eat food. Time to sprinkle my arms to the elbows. Do they eat with their elbows? Like, are they, like, like better washed? That's weird to me. It, it seems like someone might have made a mistake. Like, someone was writing the rules, and they're like, in order to be a good Pharisee, before you eat, you must always give your arms and elbows a good scrubbing. And then some guy was like, we eat with our hands. Do, do you mean hands? And he was like, you're fired. Get out of my sight. That's, I'm just guessing that's what happened. Anyway. Anyway, they like to be clean. That's what I'm saying. I hope you get it now. I hope after all of this, you're like, you understand. These guys really like to be clean, almost to like an unnecessary amount. But the Pharisees, they aren't just some weird group with weird traditions, they want to share the misery with everybody because to them, it's about the outward appearance. It's about how do I look? Do I look clean? Are people seeing me wash my elbows and and scrubbing my arms, not my hands apparently, And, and they look at me and they're like, oh, he's so holy. Is that what's going on? Well, look at verse five. Pharisees and scribes asked Jesus, capital H on the hymn, gives you a clue on who that is, uh, Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of their elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And if I was Jesus, I would say, don't you mean arms or elbows? (laughs) Because I would be a jerk. But Jesus isn't a jerk. Um, He answers them, verse 6, and says, you know what? Isaiah spoke well when he prophesied of you hypocrites. I'm guessing they weren't expecting this. Jesus was really harsh on the Pharisees because he does not put up with hypocrisy. He likes a good heart. These Pharisees don't have a good heart, so they just show up, and they're like, hey, Jesus, uh, I noticed that your disciples, when they were eating food, they didn't wash their hands. Uh, Can you please tell them because it's disgusting? And Jesus is like, hey, you know what? You guys need to understand something. Isaiah, when he was writing his prophecies about hypocrites, he's talking about you guys. They they just stepped into a minefield. They're like, did not expect this. I would have just stayed home if I knew Jesus was going to unload on me right now. Jesus is hardcore about hypocrites, so let's see what he says, because I think Don't judge the Pharisees too harshly because I think every single one of us, myself included, can have the heart of a Pharisee at times, especially growing up in the church. So don't read this as going like, yeah, Jesus, you get those bad guys. They're jerks. But read it as like, maybe Jesus has something to say to me when he's talking to these guys. So let's read it. Jesus, in verse 6, he says, uh, this is what the prophet Isaiah wrote about you hypocrites. He said, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other things like couches. Uh, You wash those things. You care about the outside. He gets in their faces. He's like, you guys care so much about the outward appearance, but you care nothing about the inward appearance of the heart. These guys were the church people back then, the holy ones, or at least they thought they were. You know, they'd be like, oh, look at me, washing up, yeah, I'm holy. Look at me, I'm giving money to the church, I'm holy. They liked it, they liked the attention. It's like the kid in church, maybe it was you, it was definitely me. But in Sunday school, when the teacher asked the question, I was like, oh, I know it. I know it. I know the answer to that Bible question because I was a pastor's kid, so I knew everything. I was like, yes, I knew it. My dad told me, yeah, senior pastor of the church. I got the personal Bible study at home. Little did they know it was because I was getting punished for something bad I did, so I got the lecture, so that's how I knew it. Um, but, you know, that's just how I was. I was totally like a pharisaical little kid. I was just really prideful about how much I knew. That's how these guys were. They were like, you know, I feel so holy. Amen, brother. I think we've all got... A little Pharisee in our hearts at times, maybe a big Pharisee in our hearts at times. But Jesus, he says, listen, you guys talk about me. You talk a big game, but your heart is far from me. He's saying, you're like the guy in school who's like, oh, yeah, Julie Sue loves me so much. And I love Julie Sue. She's like my BFGF. What does that mean? Big fat grapefruit? No, uh, my best friend, girlfriend. He's saying, you're talking like you're dating this girl. You're talking like she's your best friend, and then she sees you in the hallway and she's just like, ew. Who are you? That's what he's saying. He's like, you're pretending that you're so close to God. And on the outside, you're pretending you're so close to God. But you never really spend time with him. You really never talk to him. You just talk to people about him. You just, you know, you show up in public and you act like you're this really spiritual person. You'll stand up and worship. You'll raise your hands. You'll pray really loud. But you don't really have a relationship with God is what he's telling these Pharisees. You know, uh, God has rules. It's not bad rules. It's rules that you put in place because you don't want to hurt somebody. Like, for instance, you know, hey, don't put your hand in the fire. You don't want your hand to get burned. Or, hey, don't look both ways before you cross the street. Not don't look both ways, but actually look both ways before you cross the street. You don't want to get hit by a car. Or, hey, don't put the cat in the microwave just because. I said so because I'm the mom, and that's why. Um, that, don't do it. If Don't go home and put your cat in the microwave and say, I told you to do it. Okay? Anyway. The Pharisees were adding rules onto God's rules. That's what you need to understand. They were adding on top of God's rules. Now, did you know there's still some churches that even do that today? There's still some churches that add additional rules onto, like, the really simple rules that God made. For instance, there's a church out there that's totally like a church of Pharisees. Because they're like, if you want to be a good Christian, you've got to follow these rules. Here's the rules. If you are going to be a good Christian, go to our church. No white bread. No white sugar. Is there black sugar? I don't know. Brown sugar. Okay. No white rice. You got to have ping pong pants. What does that mean? It means if you're a dude, you take your pants, you pull them, you drop ping pong balls down your pants. And listen, if the ping pong balls can't go through the pants and go out the other end, that means your pants are too tight. So you got to make sure your pants are loose enough and you're always dropping ping pong balls down them. And you gotta, that's, that's how you be a good Christian. They say no medical treatment. I don't care if your arm has fallen off. You just pray and you hope that it works out for the best. Uh, no marriage between two different races. That's weird. I thought that died out a long time ago, but this church is like no interracial marriage. So if you're like, you know, an Alaskan and you want to marry like a Mongolian Russian or whatever, like it just won't work. Uh, no jello in this church. Jello is strictly forbidden. I know. Bill Cosby could not be in this church. Um, no cars if you're unmarried. Cars are only for married people. I guess if you're single, like no driving ever, it's, it's just, it's bad. Um, no TV on the Sabbath, so Saturday morning cartoons are out. And raw milk must be in or drunk, whatever the word is. Have you, do you guys know what's up with raw milk? I saw a documentary on raw, raw milk. You get milk and it's been pasteurized. It's been like, they took that milk and they like got all the junk out of it. Raw milk is like straight from the udder to the bucket to your face. <laughs> That's, it's nasty. That, that uh, bucket is dangerously close to another part of the cow's body that has things coming out of it that sometimes fall in the bucket. I watched a whole documentary. I saw the guy milking. I saw something brown fall into that bucket. People drink that nonsense. That's gross. So I could not be part of this church. I do not want to be a part of this church. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of this church. I don't think he is. Listen, Jesus says, you Pharisees, he's talking to them, he says, you guys care about your own rules more than God's rules, and that stumbles people. Look at verse 9. This is where it starts to get really deep with these guys. He starts to start accuse them of some things. Uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 9. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your tradition." For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, verse 11, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have gotten from me is Corban. That means it's a gift to God. Verse 12, Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions, which you've handed down. And you do many more things like this. Here's basically what he's telling these guys. This is what he's calling them out on something that they're doing that's totally shady. You see, Pharisees would give money to God, and they would usually do it in a really public way. They'd come with their fat stacks of cash, and they'd show up at the offering, and they'd be like, Oh, man, I don't know if all these dollars are going to fit in this box. This box is too small for all my dollars. And they're trying to push them in, and everyone's just like, Oh, look at that golf clap. They're so holy. This is amazing. I'm so glad I got to be here to experience this momentous occasion, of this Pharisee trying to shove all these dollars. You know, they're thinking it's like hundreds. It's just like 21s. They're trying to shove in there. They're trying to look all holy, and they're they're giving they're giving, which is like, right, good, sweet, give to God, that's awesome, give to God, give your time, give your money, give your abilities, give your heart, these are all good things to give to God if it's done with the right heart, but the Pharisees didn't have the right heart, and what would happen is they'd get a phone call from mom, there weren't phones back then, well, then they just got a call from mom, she'd stick her head out the window and be like, call across Israel, hey Jimmy, like they would would call out for their son, and the son would show up and be like, what is it, mom? I'm really busy being a Pharisee, and the mom would be like, listen, I, I need some money. I, I just, I'm, I've run out of, I've run out of things in my pantry, and I need some things in the pantry. That's where I keep the pantry things, in the pantry, and <laughs> I need things in there, pantry. Um, and the Pharisee would just be like, hey, mother, I am so sorry to tell you this, but I just gave all my money to God. <laughs> Excuse me, I gotta go get a cheeseburger. That's what they would do. they just, they'd be, and then the mom would be like, oh, can't you just spare a couple nickels? And he's like, I'm so holy, I gave all my nickels to the Lord, all three. Uh, and he's like, do you have any leftover food? And he's like, no, I don't, mom, because I gave all my food to God. And he ate it and he said it was delicious. And she's like, you're the worst son ever. And he's like, I know. Uh, These guys were jerks, okay? They had no respect for their parents, none. They they would give some of their money to God, but when their families needed things, they just thought their parents were annoying. Maybe some of you guys feel like your parents are annoying. In fact, I know some of you guys feel like your parents are annoying. I feel like maybe this part of the message is for you, so listen up. The... The Pharisees thought their parents were annoying. They didn't want to give their parents anything. These are the people who raised them and changed their little Jewish diapers or whatever they had back then. I don't know if they just like they went free range or whatever. I don't know what they had back then. Uh, But anyway, it got me thinking. It got me thinking: how can we kind of be like the Pharisees? Because I think we can be like the Pharisees. Listen, have these things ever come out of your mouth? And don't be like, I have not ever thought those exact words. I'm saying, have anything similar to what I'm saying ever come out of your mouth or thought thought, bucket? I don't know. How to, okay. Have you ever thought or said this? I'm sorry, Mom. I didn't do those chores you asked me because I've been reading my Bible so much that I just got lost in the Holy Scriptures. So I didn't clean my room because, you know, I'm so holy. That holy life, yo, like I don't... I don't know if that's what you're thinking, or maybe it's you get home from camp, and you had this amazing experience, and you're like, the Lord spoke to me in an amazing way. Hallelujah. And then your parents are like, hey, welcome back there, sport. Howdy, howdy there, neighborino. Like, I don't know. They look at you, and they're like, maybe your dad's like, so how you doing? And you're just like, fine. And your dad's like, did the Lord teach you anything up there? And you're like, I guess, Your dad's like, "No, really? Like, how how'd camp go?" And you're like, "It was fine." I don't know that that's ever been you, but it's definitely been me. Your parents want to talk to you, like they want something out of you, and you're just like, "Stop talking to me! You're ruining my life!" Uh, 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 uh." And you go in your room and close the door, and then you call your friends. You're like, "Camp was amazing! The Lord is good!" And then you talk to your parents, and your parent you just you just kind of close up. Or maybe in church, and you just heard like the best Bible study ever. You guys are like, he must be talking about someone who goes to a different church than this one. Um, but you just heard a really good Bible study. And, you know, it's about putting others before you. It's about putting other people before yourself. And you're like, yes, Lord, I'm going to put other people before myself. I'm going to think of others as greater than me. And then your little brother or sister comes up to you. And they're like, hey, will you throw the ball with me and play the catch with me? And you're like, no, I got to go craft some mines. And then you leave to go craft some mines, minecrafting. Maybe your parents talk to you, and they're like, hey, there, sport. Let's, uh, or if you're a girl, I doubt they'd call you sport, but they, I don't know what they'd call you. Hey, there, pumpkin. <laughs> Has anyone ever been called pumpkin by their parents? Yes. Accurate. Okay. But your parents come to you, and they're like, hey, there, sport pumpkin. <laughs> Why don't we do some family devotions together? That'd be great. We could crack open the Bible. And you're like, ho! no way, muchacho. I am too busy. I already went to church twice this week. I can only handle so much Jesus. I don't want to become a fat Christian. Is he implying that we eat Jesus? Only if you're Catholic. Uh, (laughs) Communion. I promised a nun I wouldn't make fun of that. So I won't. You already did. Okay. Moving on. Anyway, we can be just like the Pharisees because we can take what God blesses us with and we cannot give it back to our families. That's all I'm trying to say. We can take the things God gave us and we cannot bless our families back. I really want you to think today, how can I bless my family? You know, if I have one big regret about my family life, it was that... During my junior high and high school years, I focused way too much on what made me happy and not what made my family happy. I mean, I missed out on some great times hanging out with my family. They'd say, hey, let's do a family movie night. And I'd be like, no, I'm just, oh, I got some stuff I got to do. And I'd just go play video games. I used to make movies with my friends. I was really into making stupid movies. And, and I would just go do that. Or sometimes my sisters would have sports games. And I would just not go to them. I'd skip out because I felt like I had better things to do. And I look back on that, and I realize, I mean, that was important. That was something I should have been there for, at least for most of those games. And I regret that. And I don't know if you're sitting here today, and you're hearing me, and you're feeling like maybe God is speaking to you, but maybe you're not there for your family in the way you need to be. I want you to think, how can I bless my family? Your family's not always going to be there for some of you guys. For my wife, she grew up with her family when she was young, but then she moved. And now she's down here, and she only gets to see her family about once a year, and that's really, really hard for her. You need to start thinking, what can I do to bless my family? You know, I heard a great story about this that I thought was so cool, because it started with a kid who was even younger than you. See, there was a little kid who had a dad. Normal story so far. Um, And this dad was basically really excited about... A 57 Chevy. Does anybody like cars? Anybody a car person? Okay, the 57 Chevy was this really cool, classic car, blue, shiny, 1950s, that's not like these modern cars where everything's just like, oh, let's make a round oval and call it a car. This was a car with like definition, you know, like they they had architecture on it and little little wings and little designs and everything. I mean, I love those kind of cars. It's so cool. And his dad was all about it. He always talked about all the time. I'm going to get me a 57 Chevy. It's going to be amazing. But the whole family knew dad couldn't afford it. The whole family knew you know, that dad didn't make enough to own a car that cool. Well, on his, uh, when, when, uh, when the boy was eight years old, he told his dad, dad, one day on your 57th birthday, I'm going to buy you a 57 Chevy. And they laughed, oh, you're so sweet. Well, I saw this video on YouTube. It was so sweet. So, it was the dad's 57th birthday, and the son is like, hey, dad, can you go to the garage and get me some soda? And the dad's like, oh, sure, son, yeah. And he's 57 years old. He's getting old. And he opens up the garage, and they've got video cameras, and he's looking around, and his eyes land, and like the car's there in the garage. And he just starts crying like a little baby. He's like, ah! And they go up, and they give him a hug, and he's just like, ah! Like, he's crying so much, but it was so sweet. He's like, I can't believe you would do this for me. And remember, this started at eight years old. This kid is like, I love my dad so much, I'm going to bless his socks off one day. I'm going to save up and buy him this car. Now, that's biblical to me. I mean, the Bible talks about honoring our parents and respecting our parents and loving our parents. And I think so much we want to, like, at this age, I feel like we just want our parents out of our life. I feel like we're just like keep it at arm's length, and it's like, you, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And it's like, you know, don't try to get involved. Like, don't try to be my friend. Like, just keep your distance. Keep your space. Like, let me have my own life, because I'm 13, man, and I can make my own decisions. And I feel like a lot of us, that's where, maybe a lot of you, that's where you're at. Now listen, I want to give you guys some ideas, because I feel like the Holy Spirit might be convicting some of you guys right now. I want to spin this in a positive way, and not just say, hey, you guys aren't doing this, but I want to give you guys some ways you can honor and love your family. So here's number one, spending time with them. Your parents gave birth to you, at least half of them did, Um, the moms. (laughs) They gave birth to you, they raised you, they changed your diapers, but little did you know, somewhere in the back of their minds, they were thinking, this little adorable lump of a baby, one day will be old enough to be my friend. And they've been really excited about that for the longest time. And now you guys are at the age where you're kind of getting mature. Your parents want to be your friends. They they want to spend time with you. They want to be with you for the most part. I want to encourage you guys, take that time. Don't say you've got better things to do. Don't blame it on homework and then go play video games. Spend some time with your parents. I think just talking to your parents is something... That if you just sat down with them and you really opened up about what was going on in your life, not just like, I remember being uh, 15 years old, sitting at the dinner table, mom and dad asking me, how was school? Fine, fine, everything's fine, detention's fine, everything's everything's great, fine, can I go? Uh, And my parents would make this nice dinner. Have you ever done this? Your parents make a really nice dinner and you eat it like really fast and then you just get up and leave and everyone's just sitting at the dinner table still. It's like your mom spent all this time making this nice meal because she thought the family was going to sit there and have a conversation, but you're like, I've got minds to craft. (laughs) I've got things to do. Here's another thing. Check this out. Talking to them, okay, like I said. Spend some time talking to your parents. Give them that. Honor them in that way. Here's another one. Writing them a thank you letter or a thank you note if you're writing challenged. If you're not good at writing letters, like I'm talking like, like take a piece of paper, write something, flip it on the other side, finish that side, bam. I'm talking like if you can't do that, like get a, like, get, get a, get a note, write a note. But something where you're just like, I appreciate you. Like thank you for everything you've done in my life. I love you. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. You know, I think a lot of us, when we grow up, we think our parents are perfect we think they can do no wrong. I remember riding in the car with my dad, and because it was my dad driving when I was a little kid, I had no idea that my dad's not the best driver. Um, neither is my mom, and I'm not genetically. It's funny, my mom, when my dad is driving, she'll be like, you're not driving good. And when my dad is uh, riding with my mom she's driving, he'll be like, you're not driving good. Like, so neither one of them apparently drive good. And I've inherited that, because when I drive, my wife's like, be careful, we're gonna die, oh my gosh. Um, so... When you're a kid, you grow up and you think your parents can do no wrong, but eventually you grow up and you get to junior high and you realize, like, oh, my parents do make mistakes. My parents are sinners. My parents, sometimes they punish me and it's not really a fair punishment. Sometimes my parents yell at me. Sometimes my parents lose their patience and temper with me. When you're a little kid, I feel like that kind of just, you don't notice it as much, but when you get to junior high, you start to notice, and I feel like a lot of kids just take it really bad. Like, they'll just be like, expecting their parents to be perfect their whole life they realize they're not and then it's just like like they'll just fight with their parents all the time they won't respect them because I feel like a lot of kids sometimes don't feel like their parents deserve respect because they realize their parents are sinners but here's the thing as much as your parents are sinners so are you and they put up with you this long and they need respect from you God has called you to respect them Yeah, they're sinners, just like everybody else, but that doesn't matter. God put them in your life to be an example of how much you respect him. So if you're talking back to your mom and dad, and then you go to your room, and you open up your Bible, and you're like, Jesus, mom was so stupid today, Ah," then the Lord's not going to honor you, because if you're disrespecting them, you're disrespecting him. You need to understand that your parents deserve so much love from you guys. That's what I'm saying. If you write a letter to them and just tell them how much you love them, it'll blow their mind. They'll open that up, and they'll probably be crying at the kitchen table because they're so happy. If you've never done that before, just write your parents. Seriously. Not on Mother's Day or Father's Day when you have to. Oh, best dad ever. Thanks. Like, but just like, write them something nice. Okay, here's another one. Just playing with your family. Brothers and sisters, I mean, those kids would just love to have some of your attention. I remember playing with uh, my sister Amanda when she was like elementary school, and one of my favorite things to do with her was I would take her on the backyard, and I-, I had her convinced that I was a ninja. Like she was like elementary school, like probably like first grade or kindergarten, and I had convinced her like, yeah, I'm part of this secret assassins guild, and uh, I am a professional ninja, and I will teach you everything I know. And she was like so stoked to learn from me. Little, so I would just push her on the swing, and I'd like kick her and stuff, and like punch her, and not like. In a mean way, but just you know, like little little punches and kicks, and she totally like was eating it up. She thought I was a ninja. I taught her my most famous move, the chop. That's all I knew. Um, But that time, I mean, that's so rad. And some of you guys have little brothers and sisters, but so many of the time, we feel like we have we're too busy for them. We're too busy for our families. I want to encourage you guys: play with your families, play with your little brothers and sisters, have fun with your parents you'll never get this time back. It's going by. It's going by really fast. Don't be focused so much on trying to figure out who you are as a person and focus on who God's called you to be in your family. Here's another one. Asking them for help. Some of you guys, your dads, their minds would just be blown if you showed up to your dad and you're like, dad, I'm really struggling with this problem. I need help. Can you help me? Some of you guys, your mom, if you showed up and you're just like, Mom, I've got a problem I can't solve without your help. Can you please help me? Can you please pray for me? Your parents would just be stoked. I think being honest with them is also really important. And I think that's a big one for you guys is we try so hard to hide everything we do that's wrong, big things and little things from our parents, because we don't like it when we get in trouble. But I think one of the times we get in trouble, one of the most, is if we're just hiding things all the time. If we're just hiding things, then our parents eventually find out, and then we're in bigger trouble. If we would just go to our parents, if you would just go to your parents and say, Mom, Dad, I blew it, I messed up, I'm really struggling in this area, can you help me? They're going to want to help you because they love you. Last thing, chores. I think, I mean, let's be honest. Who can admit to this? Who here, when they're asked to do a chore, your fight-or-flight basic instinct is arguing to get out of the chore somehow? Yeah? Okay, all right, good, you're honest. Okay, listen, an honest man. Now listen, if our parents show up and if God is calling us to honor our parents and if our response when they ask us to do something in the house is either arguing or just not doing it, then that's like slap in the face to God. That's not honoring the Lord. But can you imagine, one, if a parent, if your parent shows up to you and says, hey, I'd like you to do this, responding, yeah, I will do that, Mom. Like, I love you. Yeah, I'll go clean my room. Thanks. Yeah, I love you. Can you imagine that? Or besides just no talk back and just doing what they ask and not trying to get out of like, oh, I can't. I've got too much homework. Crafting minds. Um, but if you're like, listen, doing it without even being asked. Like, you know the things your parents have you do. Think about the chores your parents have you do on a regular basis. Try sometimes doing those without even them asking you. You will blow their mind. They'll just be like, their, their faces will explode off of their heads and land on the wall. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that will help encourage you to do it. Um, but no, I'm just saying they will be so happy. I really feel like the Lord is speaking to you about this. Please don't just let this part of the study slip you by because this is really important. One of the most important commandments the, God, the Lord gives us is honor your father and mother. God has called us to do that. If we're not doing that and we're trying to pretend to follow Jesus and be a Christian, you can't have that life separate. You can't have your, like, I'm a Jesus disciple follower. I come take notes in church. I go out street witnessing. But then at home, you're just crazy. You've got to make the two things connect together. And it's really important that you guys hear that. Now... Let's keep going. Let's look at what Jesus says next. Verse 14: When he called the multitude to himself, he said, Hear me, everyone, and understand: there is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm just going to finish this up with a couple points. Jesus is saying, you Pharisees are so concerned about what looks good on the outside, you're concerned about scrubbing your elbows and looking clean, but it's not, about goes, it's not that what goes into the body that harms the soul. There's nothing that can go into the body that harms your soul. These guys are really concerned about their food being clean, and they felt like it had something to do with their spirituality. Just like I feel like sometimes we can feel like the way we look like on the outside has something to do with our spirituality. I was even talking to some junior high kids, and what they said was like, yeah, like I've seen some kids in the youth group before. and You just you kind of look at them, and by the way they look, you're kind of like, I don't know if they're Christians. And I just think that's so silly to ever think that about anyone, to think, oh, because they've got, like, green hair or because they're wearing a leather jacket or because they've got holes in their jeans or, or whatever, because they look rough around the edges. Uh, that's silly to me. There's nothing that goes into the body that can harm the soul. There's never been a moment where someone's like, oh, my soul. My soul is in so much pain. What's wrong, bro? Oh, man, my, my soul. <coughs> I'm just so stumbled right now. My soul just feels so heavy and burdened. What's wrong, man? What's wrong with your soul? I ate a dirty cupcake. What? <laughs> There's a bit of dirt on a cupcake, and I ate it. Oh, you sinner. We need to pray for you. There's no hope for you. You're going to hell. That's... No one has ever, ever, ever done that. It's ridiculous. That's what the Pharisees were thinking, though. It's about what goes inside the body, but it's not. It's about what goes in and out of your soul. Did he just say the in and out of the soul? I'll have that soul animal style. Anyway. Anyway, listen. Listen. Jesus says it's about what goes in and out of your soul. How does something go in and out of the soul? It enters a couple different ways. Anyone know? couple different ways. Not through the mouth. Through the eyes. eyes. Thank you. Through ears. And then one more. Through the heart. Through the heart and mind. Thank you. Very good, you guys. Now, the disciples didn't get it. The disciples were saying to Jesus, I don't understand. Like, wait, so uh, food we eat makes us sinful? Jesus says, no, you don't understand. It's about the things that enter in through your eyes, your ears, and your mind. Now, really quick. I mean, let's think about this. Again, it's not about the things that enter through our mouths. Like, no one has ever in the history of the world eaten a burger, and there's chowing down this burger, and just because of the burger and no outside influences, they're thought eating the burger. They look up and they go, I think I'll kill someone today. That's never happened. A burger has never influenced anyone that way. I don't care how bad the burger was. That now, listen. These are the reasons people kill. These are the main reasons people kill. Road rage. People are out on the road, someone cuts them off, and they end up pulling out a gun and shooting somebody. Greed, someone just wants money, so they kill for money. Anger, someone just has so much bitterness and and anger towards someone that they kill someone. A hate crime, someone hates the other race, and so they kill somebody. Robbery, you break into a house because you want to take someone else's thing, and you steal from them. Uh, Drugs and alcohol, you drink and you do so much drugs that you lose your ability to have a right thought process and the enemy able is able to take over and influence you to do something violent Jealousy, right back to Cain and Abel. Those guys, uh, Cain wanted something that Abel had. He was jealous of what Abel had. There was just a guy um, who uh, went out doing a school shooting, and he put out this video about why he did it, and it was because he was jealous of people who were dating, and he didn't have a girlfriend. He was jealous that people were popular, and he wasn't popular. He was jealous. He was this really rich, spoiled kid, but he was still jealous of other people, so he killed, and he took lives because he was jealous. Revenge, money, and family problems are also reasons that people kill. Now, all of these things aren't related to food. They're related to things that started going through people's ears and eyes and hearts, things that people thought about for a long time, and they let that darkness come in on the inside, and they dwelt on it, and they thought about it, and then eventually Satan used it in their life to cause them to kill. Basically, what Jesus is saying is it's not about what's on your outside. Jesus would much rather have a kid show up to youth group who is just wearing some gnarly clothes, their clothes is all ripped up, they smell, they haven't taken a shower in weeks, they've got a mohawk up to here, they've got like tattoos all over the back because they were in some crazy gang in sixth grade or something, and they show up and, and they're like, I need to repent. Jesus, I love you. I need your help. Please help me, God. And they're on their knees praying. The Lord loves that way more than someone who shows up and they look great and they're like, they put on their best Sunday clothes and they show up to church and they're like, I am so holy. But they've got all this darkness on the inside that they haven't asked God for help for, that they haven't even admitted is a problem, that they haven't even been willing to give up. God doesn't care about what you look like on the outside. That's my main point today. God doesn't care about how you look today. He doesn't care about how other people see you and see, wow, they look spiritual. He cares about what is inside your heart. And I think there are things we let slip in through our heart just really quickly. Guys, I think sometimes we can play video games and we can be in an environment, whether it's online gaming or not, where there's just so much swearing and dirty talking by other people that we're playing with. And, and we just are like, eh, I'll just put up with it. I did. I remember being your age. I played online games, and I just thought, hey, this is the way it is. I'm just going to put up with this, and, and it influenced me. I think for guys, sometimes we can play video games, and there will be always thrown in somewhere in the game a girl in a really sketchy outfit, and we can kind of just be like, it's okay, it's just part of the game, whatever, and we just we put up with it, and we let it slip into our hearts. I think sometimes girls, I've seen on Instagram, girls get lost in like the Man Crush Monday stuff, and there's some like really inappropriate stuff out there posted by other people, and we go out there and we look, and I've seen girls see stuff that's really inappropriate, but they're just kind of like, yeah, but I want to search around for this stuff, and it's cool. Um, I think one of the biggest things in junior high that we let slip in is talking about inappropriate things. And here's the, here's the sad part. Um, you know, I think junior high is one of those times where you start learning about things, and that's normal. You start learning about things You start learning about where babies come from and things like that. You start learning, you know, whether it's from your parents. Hopefully, um, a lot of times, it's just from kids at school talking. Sometimes it's from the Internet. And here's the sad thing. Um, Sometimes kids get a hold of some of that information, and they start learning about stuff, and uh, they feel like they are like, I know something you don't know. And they want to tell other people and they want to have these conversations. For me, when I was a kid, it was always late night sleepovers that people would start talking about really inappropriate things because it made them laugh and it was funny or they felt like they had some power telling other people about it. But here's the sad part. Listen to this. I've heard of kids before, eighth grade kids, who are learning about all this stuff and they think it's really funny and they start talking about it and joking about it in front of younger kids or even kids in eighth grade who don't know about it. And I've seen sixth grade kids who hear something, and they're like, I don't know what that word means. And they go home and they Google it, and all of a sudden they're seeing all this junk on the computer that they should have never had to see. And then they get addicted to stuff like that. We have the ability to stumble other people and lead them into those things, even if we're not trying. We need to guard our hearts and guard the hearts of people around us. I think just surfing around on Vine and YouTube, and I'm not saying Vine or YouTube are bad, but there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of people that we might subscribe to or watch or listen to where we put up with the inappropriate things that they say because we think they're funny or we think that they're cool or we like their videos. Instead of just saying, you know what, I shouldn't watch these guys anymore because they're really inappropriate. And even though some of their videos are okay, there's a lot of stuff that I end up seeing because I keep watching these guys' videos. Sometimes you just have to say, I'm done. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what, I'm I'm not gonna search around for these things or watch these things because they're putting things in my mind that I know are not right. Movies and TV shows and music, of course, same thing. You know, with music, a lot of times what I find is we'll listen to things and we'll be hearing things in our head that are just dirty, just really dirty. But we'll be like, it's okay, I'm not really listening to the words. I like the beat, everything's okay. And what we don't know is that the enemy is influencing us. And you know what? This is a good test. A good test for me is if I'm watching something or listening to something or doing something, the reason I can tell it's very sinful at times is by how defensive I get of it. If someone comes to me and they're like, hey, do you think you should really be watching that show? Isn't it kind of inappropriate? And if I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, it's fine. Like, you don't even know. You don't watch it. Like, it's, it's great. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. It's like I'm trying to hold that thing really tightly. Some of you guys, your parents might come to you or maybe a pastor or a counselor or a friend. And they'll say, hey, I think this thing you're doing, this thing you're watching, this thing – It's not good for you. It's steering you away from the Lord. If you're taking that thing and you're holding it, you're like, no, 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 no. It's not that you're holding it. It's that it has a hold on you. It's like the, the tighter a hold you have on it, the tighter a hold it has on your heart. Sometimes we need to be willing to actually listen and go, maybe that thing is steering me away from the Lord. Maybe that thing, I mean, you guys are young, and I know that you think that you know everything. But I'm here to tell you, as someone who went through junior high, you don't. I used to think I knew everything I realize now, as a 25-year-old guy, I don't know anything. And I never knew anything at your age. I thought I knew things, but I don't know anything. This is the last thing I'll say, because it all goes back to this. Remember, it's not about what's on the outside, looking holy, going to church, raising your hands, praying. Those are all good things. If If you do those things with the right heart, it's all for Jesus and not for what other people look at you for, then you're doing the right thing. But if it's for a show, because you want me or the counselors or any of your friends to look at you and go oh they're a good Christian because they're doing that that's not the right way to do it now listen let's imagine Christmas morning your parents tell you we got you something really good it's amazing oh you look and it's this giant box and it's bedazzled it's got like jewels and and crazy like pine cones and stuff like on it like it just it looks amazing golden pine cones it's just it's fantastic it's sparkly it's glittery it's got just... It's it's got candy all over it. Like, the box is amazing. And you're like, this present is going to be legit. It's like the size of Caleb. It's tall. It's a tall box, and it just looks awesome. And you open it, and just the smell hits you that's like, oh! And you look in, and it's a dead pigeon. You'd be like, mom and dad, I think you guys need to go to a mental hospital. Like, this is wrong. Why did you give me a dead pigeon? And your parents were like, oh, it wasn't about the pigeon. It was about the box. Didn't you like the box? It was such a great box. You'd just be like, I'm sending you away to camp this summer. Like, you guys are crazy. Listen, we do that to God. We dress up our outside, but on the inside, it's just like a dead pigeon. It's just nastiness and grossness and things we've let slip in. Now, let's, let's close our eyes and let's think about this for a second. I want you guys to think right now. Is there anything in your heart? that you know isn't right? Are the things you're doing, things you're watching, things you're listening to, even just pride in your heart about being who you are? Are there things in your life that you know aren't right? Are there things in your life that you know are keeping you away from God? I want you to just, let's take a moment of silence, and I think we all can think of things right now. Just think of those, just for a moment. Now what I want to invite you guys to do is to tell the Lord that you want to give those things to Him. So if you feel that way, just just pray right now in your own heart. Ask God to help you with these things. Ask God to take those things away from you. Dear Lord, just as we continue to pray, I ask that you would help us to care about what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. Help us to give all of ourselves to you. There's things we hold back every day, every week, every month, every year. But God, you're calling us to let go of those things, not because you want to take away our fun, because you know those things are like us holding fire in our hands, and we're constantly getting burned, but we think, ooh, the fire is so shiny, I like the color, but we don't realize that we're burning our hands. Because sin is like leprosy, and over time it kills our nerves, it kills our ability to sense the pain. And it just becomes normal. Jesus, I pray that you would help us. I pray you'd restore our nerves. For some of us, I pray you'd restore the Holy Spirit, the conscience that we have. There's some of us here, Lord, today who don't feel guilt when we do things that are wrong anymore because we've been doing it and it's become so normal. I pray, Jesus, that the next time we're tempted, the next time that we're called by Satan to do something bad, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just be so clear and we'd realize this is wrong. This is something that keeps me away from Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would not focus on our outside appearance, that that box, but we'd focus on filling the inside with goodness. I pray, Jesus, that our time with you, our time with our families, us blessing other people, blessing our parents, loving our parents, loving our brothers and sisters, loving the people around us who need you, I pray that, Jesus, our lives would be like a box that we are just stuffing full of gifts for you. I pray that we'd look at our lives like that, and when we show up to heaven one day, we'll open it, and we'll just have all these gifts, not dead pigeons and nasty things that the enemy would put in there, but Lord, I pray our box would just be overflowing with gifts for you. We love you, Jesus, and we ask all these things in your name, amen.